OK Video, coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, home of Stampede Wrestling, founded by Stu Hart. His son, Brett the Hitman Hart, went to the same elementary school as my dad, and even though he was a year younger, that dude was still pretty intimidating out there on the playground. I'm Nathan Rohr, and I don't know that I have any famous schoolmates as of yet, and I'm joined, as always, by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. Uh, yeah, like, I saw that you were going to mention Bret Hart in it. Like, Bret Hart is literally my favorite wrestler growing up as a kid. Like, Great. Because when I was a kid, it was like that pre-NWO, uh, pre-Attitude era WWF, and Bret was literally on top. Like, him... He was the top guy at WWF. And yes, I know people look back on that era as like, this is a garbage era of WWF, but it was like, I didn't care. Like, it was my WWF. Like, that's my era. That's my Saturday Night Live cast yeah, exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, yeah. We went and my dad bought me tickets when I was a kid, like maybe seven. We went and saw, they used to do like road shows, like mini road shows of the big pay-per-view. So SummerSlam's the big pay-per-view in the summer. Mm-hmm. I saw Sunny Slam. And that's a lo- that was a local promotion? Yeah, like it was untelevised. It's like, because they wrestle six days of the week. Okay. And they're called WWE Live Events, where they're not taped. They're just the same show every single night for six nights, and then they do Raw and SmackDown okay. and all stuff. But like, yeah. the when I was a kid, so they would go wrestle around, and so they came to Calgary while Brett was champion, and he got to retain his belt, and he had like a giant standing ovation, and his music played for 20 minutes because everybody was cheering so loud, and it was great. <laughs> It's pretty great. great. It's yeah. like his his sound, his entrance theme is also killer. Even Stone Cold, who has one of the greatest, like he's got that glass break moment that everybody pops for. Mm-hmm. Like he even he was on the record saying, "No, Brett has the best." Like Brett has a better has a better entrance, entrance theme. Anyways, okay. uh, also, but my brother, he grew up with Brett as a substitute, like a teacher. Yeah. In what teaching? What like, he just like he has his teaching degree. Oh, okay. So him and a f- another brother of his have their teaching degree, and Alistair and my wife, they both had Bret Hart as a substitute in their class, in their lives. Crazy. Which I was <laughs> okay. just like, wait, what? Like, Alistair, why are you not sharing this? Alistair's like, yeah, that happened. My wife was telling me about it, and Alistair's like, yeah, that oh, happened to me too. Oh, it's my substitute teacher, Bret. I was like, Alistair, I used to put you in the sharpshooter all the time. Why did you say afterwards, Ryan, did you know that my substitute today was Bret the Hitman Hart? And here's everything he said. Yeah, <laughs> as as I'm putting him in the sharpshooter, like I don't understand. Anyways, hey, I'm Ryan. I could always talk wrestling, even though I'm grown out of it. I don't watch it anymore. I could always talk talk wrestling. Okay, Razor Ramon just actually is dying today. What? Yeah, I didn't mean to throw no. It's that okay. Wrench out. He had okay. he had a surgery on his hip, and then complications. And he had three massive heart attacks in a row. Was on life support, and his family was withdrawing, like, like taking him off life support today. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. All right. Another well, tight my era when we recorded up. this. Yeah. Bad guy. So, anyways, yeah. There's a little bit of a, of a thing. It's actually we, we probably will talk about William Hurt this episode too. That just happened for us. Yeah. 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 Anyways, but hey, I'm Ryan. We're talking movies, and I'm with Nathan. Uh, this week contains our last journey to Ebert Island. Uh, we are sailing on the Seaborn Legend, a cruise ship capable of traveling at the blistering speed of 18 knots per hour. <laughs> Hopefully, this will get us to the secret dwelling of Roger Ebert, one of the very few critics who gave the sequel to Speed, Speed 2 Cruise Control, a passing grade when it was released on June 13th, 1997. Uh, this movie was written by Randall McCormick and Jeff Nathanson. Uh, but it's a story idea by Yann DeBont, and this is his sole writing credit of any kind. 
So very exciting. Uh, the, the budget is very unknown. It's somewhere between 110 and 160 million. I'm going to guess it was closer to 160 because there's like really detailed breakdowns on Wikipedia. Uh, it pulled in 48 domestic and 116.5 international for 164.5 total. So this is a bomb. This is not <laughs> a success. This is a giant. That, did you, you should tell them what the first movie, how much did it cost? Do you know? 30 30 and it was a surprise hit so no but that it was like oh this has sequel potential i guess we should try it and this one actually the second movie actually had a better box office opening weekend than the first movie did but okay when it's 160 million versus 30 the the potential is different and like word of mouth and stuff would spread in very different ways yes but uh before we get to that i'm gonna read my little summary here that i wrote up uh Fitzcarraldo had a dream, an opera house in the middle of the jungle. To achieve that dream, he disassembled a steamship and moved it over a mountain. In that spirit, Werner Herzog moved a steamship, intact this time, over a mountain so he could tell the story of this man. Fifteen years later, Jan de Bont had a dream, a ship crashing into an island town. To achieve this, he spent $160 million of 20th Century Fox's money so a town could be built and a ship could be crashed into it. This endeavor was funded under the guise of being a sequel to his hit action film, Speed. Only Keanu Reeves saw his true intentions and refused to be a part of it, even though he was offered $12 million to do so. That's integrity. I've never heard a Dog Star song in my life, but I'm nonetheless a fan. <laughs> okay, what's what's okay, what's even kind of great about this is both of the lead stars of this movie, Jason Patrick and... Sandra Bullock have come forward saying like the only reason why we did this movie was so we can fund passion projects. Yeah. Like, they, like, like they had I'm going to make justify... an indie film with the proceeds <laughs> yeah. from this awful. Like they had to justify thing. like, Hey guys, we know that like Keanu said no to 12, but we only did it so we can make these better films over here. And to be yeah. fair, Sandy Bullock's movie was hope floats with Harry Connick jr. And it's not a better film. So I forget what Jason Patrick's is, but yeah, he spent basically his entire salary on this, yes. which is too bad, but Oh well. So I was gonna I was gonna show this other piece. So you said 160 million dollars to make this happen, and that's to make the whole movie happen. Do you know how much it costs for that one stunt? The At one, least 25, right? Which, when you consider that one stunt versus the entirety of the movie of Speed, yeah, you can compare the two. Like as almost like, the entire budget to make Speed was spent on one moment in this, and I think it's still the biggest most expensive stunt ever put oh, on 100%. film it makes sense yeah but if you think about like like the quality measure of like what they did with 30 million with what they did with 100 with 25 million and yeah. it's like baffling that this movie ever got made i like you gotta chase that money i guess once you have a hit was the logic no, but like but every, like <laughs> but the thing is like the logic was even like when they when this movie when speed debuted they were all like, is there a sequel potential? Like, they weren't even certain about it. Right. So they didn't contract anybody for two movies because it's like, I think this is a one and done story. Like, yeah. this this kind of just happens and then it's over. But then it's like, well, I made a lot of money, though. So what can we do with that? And then go into the brainstorm room. And I guess for a long time with the development, they just kind of assumed everyone would be in. So they like wrote and conceived this movie with uh, Jack from the yeah. first movie coming back. They were married. They're married. In They're the, married. In the movie. Uh, Going on a honeymoon, maybe on this boat. Before yeah, the boat yeah. showed up. 
there is a great plan conceit that I wish they did. Well, but, because yeah. that's the thing is like that's a Jeff Nathan Nathanson sat down and like he him and Jan DeBont worked out the ending of this movie and then he went backwards to make the movie fit the that, dream the dream <laughs> yeah and i was like so wait they had an opportunity to do like a another like in their minds it's like oh it's another plane being hijacked movie right like die hard 2 did this executive decision did this it's like it's another one but i'm like air force 1 is literally air doing force it 1 is about year. to come out and compete this summer yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like but I'm okay with that because it's a good conceit. It, it creates good tension, creates a good like atmosphere. Like, like you can't escape. Because it's a fast vehicle. It's, it's an <laughs> you <know>? fast vehicle. <laughs> yeah. There's. I can't believe how much of that like action sequence is them. How much stuff they can accomplish in this long action se- sequence of this boat about to hit this tanker. And it's like oh, we're so it's... close. And it's like 20 minutes of the movie is just them scrambling to get this thing to turn as it's on approach for 20 minutes. And it's like... Hit, like, in hindsight, <laughs> really funny. Like, <laughs> when I rented this with, like, excitement at age 11 or whatever, because I liked speed at this point, that was one of the few, like, R-rated movies I was allowed to see. Because, like, well, there's no sex in it. It's like there's yeah, yeah. a bit of cursing... And then it's just some violence, and that's fine. That's, like, everything. <laughs> All right. So you're allowed to see Dennis Hopper's head get, like, smashed off. I mean, like, that, that scene is pretty <laughs> intense. Like, yeah. his face gets smashed off of his body. But okay. Yeah. But uh, this is PG-13, so this is definitely fine. <laughs> definitely And fine. I, like, managed to get a friend to rent this, and we, like, watched it. <laughs> and this movie on, like, VHS tape in 98 just looked terrible. Yeah. I remember, like... Oh. thinking this was one of the worst filmed movies I'd ever seen. <laughs> if you, you don't know? mind me asking, how did you watch it this time out? Uh, Disney Plus. It's just sitting okay. on there. Yeah, and yeah. So I was gotta... foolishly like on the menu for Disney Plus, just like scrolling down. It's like, where is it? It's like, they're not going to highlight this movie for you. It's not going to be like, hey, we're proud to present to you Speed 2. I had <laughs> like, to like, it's not like, obviously it's like search When you it. click on the star option, it's like first one up there, like Speed 2. Guys. Recommended for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no, no. No one knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I had so to find it. I have a DVD copy of this mm-hmm. movie because I was like, I've never seen it before, maybe two years ago, like ever. And I was like, oh. I'm gonna finally watch this movie that says two thumbs up on the cover because you yeah. said you said Roger Ebert is one of the few critics, and you're right, he was. But Gene Siskel, that's the best part too. Yeah, is like the other half of their show also liked it. <laughs> And watching their segment on it, it's great. Because all they argue about is whether Sandra Bullock should be in it more. Like, yeah. it's not whether it's good at all. It is like, whoa, I was scared you weren't going to like it there because this is a quality action picture. Jason Patrick's great. And it's like, what? Are you? Okay. Like, they're, they're kind of right. in their they world. They are kind of right that Sandy B is not in this movie enough. That she sits second saddle to Jason Patrick, who is. So we're, we're agreeing with Roger on that front. Gene was totally fine with her being demoted. Oh. Like. It's just like she was kind of annoying in the first movie, so I'm glad they kind of. It's like what? Okay, oh, but Jason weird read is not a like. I don't mind Jason Patrick. There's movies of his that he's good in, like Sleepers is a good movie with Barry Barry Levinson's uh, uh, Sleepers. Okay, he is like walking through this movie like he's like he is sleepwalking through this film. You can tell every ounce of his iota does not want to be here. Britney's read on it, like for the minutes she was there, was just like, "Who is this like milk toast dude?" It was like, "It's Jason Patrick." And then in that same like brainstorm of just thinking about him, it's just like, "Yeah, he is a wet blanket or 
Walton Goggins' boring brother is like the read I'm getting off of him for some reason. Visually, oh, visually, he's just okay. reminding me of sorry, him. Sorry, you're like, not saying that they were profile. in a movie together because I'm racking my brain like, whoa, Walton Goggins and him was in a movie together. No, but right. it's just in profile, he kind of looks like him. But if he had no character yes. to his forehead or face, you're right, and is like, thus boring. When I'm sitting <laughs> here know? and thinking about, I should actually say this. I should re- reframe this. I didn't like Narc. I like Joe Carnahan, but I didn't like Narc. And even a friend Narc- of mine really likes Narc, so I kind of like Narc because I wrote into it with some enthusiasm. Sure, but yeah, but he's Ray in Liotta like a frantic one- chase in it and stuff. And yeah, Riola yeah. is the one having the good time in that movie because it's just he's the him. grisly, like dark over yeah. the edge character. Yeah, and then like Lost Boys again, he's not he's the wet blanket in that movie. He's the main character who's like. Oh, get away from me, vampires, but I'm going to love this girl anyways. But I'm going to turn into a vampire. And you're just like, shut up, man. Just have the kids fight <laughs> Kiefer. That's the only thing we care about is yeah. the Corys fighting Kiefer. Uh, and then, yeah, like, okay, I, I said I like sleepers, and I do like sleepers. He's the main character. But I actually can only think of scenes with Brad Pitt and Robert De Niro in it. So, <laughs> so he's easily overshadowed, yeah. So, yeah, okay, you're right. But he and in this I th- movie's... he's totally overshadowed in this too. Like San- but he's Sanders overshadowed all the energy. Yeah. But he's there so much by himself. Like there's a scene in this yeah. movie midway through where he's caught in the mall area and it's on fire and Sandy B's like working her butt off to get him out, like to save him, and he has the most like if I died, I'm okay with that. If I die right now, that's Oh, no, fine. it was like, if this character just exits this movie right now, and now it's Sandra's movie where she's getting revenge or something, better I'm saying, movie. I'm saying yeah. Jason Patrick has that attitude, too. He's kind of just there being like, yeah, I mean, if you can get that grenade, cool, but, you know, if you don't, it's fine. I'm all cool. <laughs> I'm out of this movie at that point, and that's all right. I still get my money, so. Like, he has this yeah. attitude in this scene that, like, where you got, like, you have Captain, you got Commander Cody and Captain Rex in this scene. You got... Aquaman's dad, you got Boba Fett, all of these things happening because you got Tamura Morrison who's in this movie. I know, it took me so long in this movie to realize that's who I was seeing because I don't know that I've really seen him in many other contexts. So just like, but this guy was... But Nathan, he's so many faces in that one franchise. Like, I said Aquaman's dad. I know, he, dad. he's all of those characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said Aquaman's dead, but I'm like, oh, but he mainly is Jango Fett, Boba Fett, and every single clone trooper. <laughs> Like, yeah, including the ones we know the names of. Um, but I, I was still squinting at him, like, because he's he's kind of like for a little bit, he's just first officer on the bridge or whatever. He's kind of there occasionally, and yeah. then he becomes more important after the captain dies. Yes, and then I'm really looking at him. It's like, oh, that's Django Fett. Crazy. <laughs> How about <Crazy>. that? <laughs> so I, I just like he's he's just dying in this room, and the only thing he can do is hold his hand up to his face while there's an explosion, and just be like, okay, if you can work a little faster. Okay, if you work a little faster. And it <laughs> yeah, just, like, from loud Keanu size. in the first movie, you at least get the impression that that man wants to live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, well, because like yeah. he has like 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 you, you, one of those things about '90s Keanu that even when he's not good, like even when he's good, he still kind of has that level of not goodness, like where he didn't quite figure out like how to not be a surfer guy. In, I guess screen. so. Yeah. But even in, but in speed, he still has this like wild-eyed look at himself whenever he's trying to figure out what to do next and everyone around him's like what's happening and he's just like it's okay, I got to figure it out and like he's just being like No, kind of and awesome. he and he's like 
he's the character that is like the daredevil cop that's like doing crazy stuff like in the opening to that movie he shoots through his partner to stop a guy <laughs> yeah and it's like dude that you're like suspended because that's you can't do that but okay you know sure and he's always driving a little recklessly and whatever and then this character alex is just so obviously just a substitute for oh, him because the movie it's opens like, with like we couldn't get him so we have this other stand-in who's See, gonna be here when how you, about that uh... There's all these notes where you just mentioned it that like they had written this movie for Jack in mind and then they had to go through the I read like online they had to go through extensive rewrites to fit in this new character and I was yeah. like no they didn't they, didn't they barely re like it's basically like oh we lose this line where he refers back to like how can this happen to me again on a vacation yeah. or something or, like or all like, those they have to do this thing where like Sandy B doesn't know he's the daredevil cop they think he's just a pencil pusher I'm like that what is Sandy like they're not meant like this is not a married this is not a couple that should be getting married. They like there's With literally that a big scene, of a trust issue right there's up. There's a front. scene where yeah. like uh midway through the movie where like Sandy B says like I love you and I'm sorry and he just like huffs at her and I'm like, What? Is this was that intentional or is this like a take that like Jason Patrick was like, I'm not doing another one? Like I was <laughs> like, This is this Alex looks like an asshole because here his like his fiance girlfriend person is like saying I'm sorry and I love you and he's just like Ugh. <sighs> I told you I was awesome. Yeah, there's like, like, okay, like, I'm not sold on it. Yeah. yeah. You're I, a real boring person. Yeah. Okay, but let's start off at the beginning of this movie with the, yeah, with that spectacularly shot motorcycle chase scene. I hate this motorcycle chase scene. I, I hated it at the beginning, too, because they don't establish what's going on. They're just chasing an ice cream truck. <laughs> and then it's do like... They, wait, do they ever establish it? They do. They do after it's yeah. happened. It's like... Oh, uh, by the way, that guy stole a bunch of computers. That's what that was about. And it's like, oh, all right. Like, you can't do that because I have no investment in this chase. As far as I know, they're just harassing well, some There dude. was one moment of potential in this chase that I was like, okay. Because here's the thing. The cuts were so fast and there was never a wide angle. Like, and I know you're not going to do wide angle because Jason Patrick's not actually on the bike. But there's but never, sometimes like that's the thing with this movie is like Yan has no like, oh, you should do your own stunts. It would be better. And he's, like, forcing his actors to do a lot of stuff they're probably not supposed to be doing. But so I don't know. That could have been Jason Patrick on the bike during well, some dangerous There's no parts. excuse to not have a, a single wide shot of this Ducati driving because there's so yeah. many quick cuts and so many close-ups. You're like, you never get a sense of the action. And there's a good potential because there's a scene where the back of the ice cream truck opens up and all these boxes randomly go flying out into the street and this guy has to at high speeds avoid Weave them through but them. there's so many cuts that i'm like this could have been a good stunt with a great driver to finish the scene but they just instead to but be you lazy. did not capture that and convey that to me the audience no yeah. they decided to be lazy and just do so many cuts so which i was like no it's, it is a dangerous stunt because there's no way to predict where box is gonna fall mm -hmm. so i get that but that is what a stunt work is right like stunt work is that dangerous yeah. So, uh, so this is also coinciding with uh, Sandra Bullock's driving test, again, which is... and then immediately shows you that like, oh, there's a better half of this movie happening, right? Because it's oh, she was the out of control, reckless driving person in the first movie. Now she's having trouble securing a driver's license because she's not she's well, she so wasn't wild to have and it. crazy. She lost her driver's there. license in the first movie, right, or right before the first movie? Yeah, yeah. Because that's why and she's so... taking the city transit because she lost her license. So she's she's given Tim Conway heart attacks or whatever. Tim? I completely forgot that Tim Conway is this guy, and it's because it's just a throwaway scene, the beginning and the end of the movie, to the point mm -hmm. where like, okay, I'm gonna jump to the end, very very end. Sandy B lives. 
she comes back and, and has another scene with Tim Conway. Is she wearing the exact same outfit? Like, Were they like, oh, we lazy? shot this on the same day. I don't I don't know if she has the cool 90s glasses on yet in that but final scene. But that dress scene. looks so remarkable and her hair looks exactly the, like to the point where they're like they were too lazy to even get her to change clothes. They're like this is going to be weeks later, but guess what? It doesn't matter because No, one will remember what shirt she was wearing at the beginning of this movie. Uh, I, that, I could see them doing that. That is like the perfect example of this movie of just like nobody will care. Nobody will no care. One will care. And you're yeah. like nobody did care. <laughs> but I wanted to cuz I Okay. I think that's like the part of the relationship with this movie that I need to just establish. I really love that first movie. Like, oh, sure. I think to me, it was more so than Die Hard or anything. That was my action movie, like my mm-hmm. R-rated action film as a kid. Because yeah. I was like seven or whatever when it came out. Yeah, yeah. So it's like around. And then I got to see it when I was 10 or 11. And I was like, that was really cool. Yeah. So I was excited for Speed 2. We rented, it was... we rented Speed as a family when it came out on VHS, and we watched it as a family. So I watched it first thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's always said this weird place in my mind because I was never a big Keanu fan until like the last 10 years or so. Like even okay. during The Matrix, I was like, oh man, he's kind of the weakest point of The Matrix in my opinion still. Um, but like I have this really, really soft spot for Speed because it is so masterfully done as a, of a thriller action film like i mean it's like oh you just like the conceit is just like oh wow that sounds exciting like yeah. that's crazy yeah i want to see how that goes out it's kind of a hostage movie it's kind of uh like just all sorts of series of stunts and crazy car chases and everything but that's like built into what's happening so well it's, and it's, it's we talked about this a lot on our podcast like off i guess not on our podcast but you and i talked about it because we have a conceit of like potentially down the road doing a high concept 90s action film which yeah. is like the nineties kind of became a place where action films stopped becoming about a person with muscles, like Stallone with muscles and like they use their muscles to get out of things. And or someone got kidnapped and they're going to use their muscles to stop it. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> like know? the conceit of the movies are becoming like, even though you still have Stallone and Schwarzenegger in it, it's like more about like Stallone in the future or Stallone on a mountain or Keanu on a bus or Harrison Ford is the president of air force one. Like you have, an idea that is the conceit of the movie that's the most exciting part, not that it's a movie that stars Harrison Ford. Because right. like that was not what sold action movies in the 90s. Was like It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go see the new Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's like, oh, I'm going to go see the one with the weird gun, that uh, the rail gun, and be like, what's that about? Or like Last Action Hero, it's like, I'm going to go see the Schwarzenegger movie where he makes Yeah, we got to put some film. twists on these conceits to like have the shootouts and things matter and yeah. be interesting again. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And that's why you get like Stallone on Cliffhanger being like, he doesn't use a gun. He uses that weird like anchor. Or an icicle. To... Yeah, and yeah. an icicle. And you're just like... So these like high concept movies end up becoming more important than like the action star. And I would say like that kind of started with Die Hard. So that's why Speed kind of exists in that Die Hard. Like frame. the everyman. I mean, he is a co- Yeah, they're cops in both, but they're more like sensible. Yeah. Con- Jack, Jack is just a bit crazy, but he doesn't have any like exceptional amount of skills or anything like that. He's just like a little of a loose wire. Like he hasn't learned his practice. He hasn't broken an arm yet and be like, oh, I should be careful. He's right, still kind of so like I'll hang under this bus and try to defuse a bomb or whatever. Yeah, and Dennis Hopper in that has like fun lines that I remember, oh. like just like the pop quiz hotshot kind pop of stuff that sticks yeah. long after. Like here, here, I think it's okay casting of like we're gonna have a mad bomber again, and he'll be a crazy like loose cannon. Yeah, Willem Dafoe is doing what he can to be the craziest hacker Willem you've Dafoe ever seen. Is yeah is doing the heavy lifting of this movie, in my opinion. Like, he is... He literally has a scene with leeches, 
and he yep. is having a grand old time. He is putting talking leeches. to these leeches. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is <laughs> yeah. putting them on his body. He's having a grand time. He's got his big grin. I, Most honestly, of the stuff I remember, like, it's been 20 plus years since I saw this last. Most of my memories of it were Willem Dafoe. Yeah. It was like, at some point, he's going to make a wild face through, like, a porthole. Yes. And he's going to have leeches. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah, and that, so, that's true. That happens. But the downside of this movie is that, like, there was multiple times where, I was, as I was watching the movie, I was like, wait, what is Willem Dafoe trying to do? Wait, what is he, what is his job? How did he get, how is he dying? <laughs> Because the movie only says, like, I got copper poisoning, and then they fired me. And I was like, what copper does poisoning? copper poisoning have to do with... Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, they had me around computers and electromagnetic fields so much that I got sick. And it's like, I is that true, or are you just crazy? Like, I don't... What, like, like, should I be wait, sympathetic ever, with you? He says that, because what I, I remember him saying is, I used to work with computers, and then I got copper poisoning, and then they fired me. And I was like, wait... Are, is the copper wiring part of working with computers? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I think that's what they're implying, yeah. Okay. And he he's often like, they threw me away. Like, this company had me make all their software yeah. for their boats, and then I got fired when I had a tough time, so yeah. I'm angry at them. And, then, and like, I was kind of, like, open to that being an okay motivation of just, like, yeah, corporate America's heartless, man. They just let this guy well, blow away in the wind. I would have been, but... like, more okay if he, like, gave them a bigger window to actually get off the boat. Like I could get it if he was like, screw corporate America. I'm going to blow up this like boat. Their, their prize yeah. ship or whatever. But like yeah. he was like, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to like get all the passengers off the boat and everybody's going to ask questions and waste this 15 minutes. <laughs> and they're right. not actually getting off the boat. Yeah. Mo- a lot of them do. Cause we got to thin the cast yes, of extras to make whole, this more sensible. You can't have yeah. hundreds of people on this boat. The but whole you have, movie. You have space. Yeah. You have space for all the people that sat at uh, Sandy B's table mm-hmm. and all of the famous people, the vaguely famous people that are uh, of the uh, cast and crew of the ship. Like your, your disaster movie cast, yes. right? Yeah. Like, oh, there's this annoying guy. There's this photographer guy. There's a dude with an accent. There's yeah. a photographer dude who... who Dante. Dante. He says who, his name for us. He gives us, like, he helps out a bit. Uh, you have Lucy. Kimmy Robertson. You got Lucy from uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, there. I I was kind of happy to see her. She she only gets to be like the MC of this little yeah. like, banquet because they're she's having. She's got a great voice, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you got the captain who's gonna go run around with you and tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't do something, or mm-hmm. tell you that it's a good idea if you come up with it. Yeah, but provide no good ideas himself. <laughs> and and the kind of like angry fat guy is there. <laughs> Who who I vaguely right. recognize as being a character actor from something I've yes. seen. He just has wild eyebrows. Yeah, but I I I don't know. But he's I there like for some look comic moments. I just like you're just like yeah, I vaguely I recognize him, but he's not. It's not worthwhile. But he's not worth. He doesn't nail and it. And then in this uh, a kid that the main character oh, yeah. connects with, but has a disability where they can't know to respond to beeping lights. Or flashing lights because they it's Drew who is deaf, but yeah, they kind of use that as just like oh, she doesn't know there's a problem on the boat for like a while, so she gets in an elevator. But we find out that it's because there's flashing lights everywhere. We find out later the reason why she couldn't even figure out flashing light is because she spends her time going down into the engine room of this boat, and you're like, how is that possible? I don't think you can do that in real boats. Just wandering around, you just get a free pass when you, <laughs> you buy your cruise ticket. Just, it's like, I've never been on a cruise, so I as mean, far to be as fair, I know, Willem Dafoe accesses a lot of things. I'm like, is this something that people could just access for convenience sake? Or 
I, I, I did enjoy his late 90s hacking. Like I, I had a fun time with him just kind of walking around, putting and antennas on things and having like, yeah, using his one handed laptop to like lock a door at one point. Which is great because like it reminded me of like net because of uh, Sandy P, right? A year earlier was in the movie. A year net. earlier, the great hacker classic, yeah, <laughs> the net. The net. Uh, but then there's this great scene with Jason Patrick. He, when he first finds out that there's a madman, he runs to the the main deck console and he starts smashing things obligatorily for no reason. Be like, what happens when I do this? And the guy's like, stop doing that. He's like, what if I push these buttons? And the guy's like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, what is Jason Patrick doing here? Is he, he's like in his mind, he's like, I'm going to stop the hacker from hacking the boat by destroying the computer. But it's like, but if you destroy the computer, Jason Patrick, nobody controls. You can't interact with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah like he's in the bat. engine room with this, like a uh, Scottish guy, like yeah. the supervising mate or whatever that's, yes. that's there. Yeah. And yeah, Django Fett told him to keep an eye on him. And he's down there just kind of poking at stuff and bashing no, he, things. He literally takes a baseball bat and smashes at a computer screen. And you're just like, what? Well, you better cooperate with me. And and yeah, then they come up with the, the scheme to flood the ship yeah. to slow it down. Yeah. Which at even at this point, I was mad at the movie for being like, slow it down. It's not even going fast yet. Like, we're not even going fast enough for you to have earned the title of movie. I think it's movie. like, you're supposed to have this idea that though 16 knots is not really fast, it is fast for, like, a giant... A big ship. Yeah. No, I, I, like, midway through the movie, I googled, like, how fast do cruise ships go? And yeah. it said 20. It was, like, 20 <laughs> knots. And I was like, this is a bummer, because this movie is, like, top speed 18 knots. Is like, but, but, oh, okay, no, but in all fairness, in all fairness, like, oh, I guess, what is 55 miles per hour? That's pretty fast, actually, isn't it? It's, like, 80. Yeah, 90. no, that, like, I, I, I assumed it would be more diverse. It's, like, 20 knots is 21 miles per hour. No, I'm thinking of, like, because in speed, it's 55 miles per hour that they can't go under. But that is yes. pretty fast. So, like, if you're going 80 on every road... And every turn, like that is fast. 80 is a fast. Everywhere in LA, like you yeah. need to never not be going that fast. Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. This this does not convey that this is gnarly <laughs> at all. I was like, this movie should be called like Out of Control yeah. or something like that. Like yeah. this is not the dilemma here. I like that it speed. is called Cruise Control, mainly because, yes, it implies the idea that you're on a ship. But yeah. all, in all honesty, when I put Cruise Control on, I'm not thinking of speed. I'm just thinking of like, oh, man, I don't have to keep my foot on this pedal anymore. I'm just going to. I'm, I'm gonna kind of phoning in a little bit. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'll pay enough attention to keep us going. Yeah, like my I'm hands. Like I'm gonna be like my steering wheel action is gonna be all in, but like I don't have to focus on my feet anymore. It's fine. It's like I'm half there. Like that is what this movie is. It's like it is on cruise control, which is like when you think about it, it's like I get the double entendre because of cruise, but there is a like there's a a, a double entendre in life where you say like Nathan your life is on cruise control you're not even trying anymore you're phoning in you're in yeah. a rut right now or whatever yeah <laughs> like this this has that kind of d- angled edge against it as well but it, but then they gave it their own name like their own name is cruise control like they're saying and pointing at it being like guys we really phoned this one in Hence. speed two half ass yeah. yeah like something yeah it, it doesn't read well yeah but it okay. does not read well before we continue complaining <laughs> i want to read roger ebert's list of things he really enjoyed he, he he writes his review in this very like bullet pointed yeah there are yeah. things that i enjoyed seeing uh a chainsaw 
<laughs> an explosive device with a red digital readout that nobody will ever be able to see. This one is concealed inside a fake golf club. A villain who travels with jars of leeches to suck the copper poisoning from his blood. A sweet girl and her lover on a Caribbean cruise. He just happens to be a member of an LAPD SWAT team. The other passengers on the cruise, who just happen to include members of a Diamond Dealers Association who have filled the ship's vault with treasure. That's a plot point we forgot, actually. Yeah. The villain's plot to hijack and destroy the ship, steal the diamonds, and get revenge of the computer company whose electromagnetic fields gave me copper poisoning, after which he was fired and cast aside. So, the chainsaw bit, whatever. Yeah, the, since Willem is acting alone, there's, like, no one to express, like, I'm just doing this to steal diamonds. Like, yes. it's not really a, you know... He doesn't uh, have a crew. Irons. Yeah, he doesn't have a henchman. Like, I was just stealing. Because even like Dennis Hopper has like he often is he's expounding to Jack on the phone or something, right? Like he's often he's like constantly talking to Jack and taunting him about yeah. his ingenious scheme. Yes, and he and he's just trying to get ransom money. Yeah, like but that's he's I mean, like, always but the fact that like money. when you have Dennis like communicating so much with Jack, you get so much of like his motivation through that, right? Like, yeah. working through the force and all this stuff. Whereas, like, yeah, you we have to figure this out by, like, random scenes of Willem Dafoe cackling and then talking to leeches or, or like, yelling. Or talking to a captain he then murders. Yes. Like, it's like, this is why I'm doing this, by the way. <laughs> and then throws him over the ship. It's like, well, to whose benefit was that? <laughs> like, why did you That guy that? knew for the last few seconds that this was a disgruntled employee oh, no, of the same company. Oh, no, it was my company's fault. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't really. Okay, there's no personal agenda with any of these characters. When we first meet Willem Dafoe, John Geiger, yes. he is just the disgruntled passenger who's annoyed his golf clubs are missing. Yeah, like yeah. they just happen to run into him in the hallway and have no beef with him really. So, so I should yeah. I should right off the bat say I'm actually on Rogers Island for this movie because okay. Rogers Island isn't an appreciation of a good well-made action movie it's just it's, are you having fun watching it yes right yeah yeah and though like okay i i'm not i'm not not against you that i don't love speed i have this ability i've learned i've learned to take on this ability because so many things like can ruin previous movies and i've had this attitude for so long but like i got tired of it around prequel stuff happening mm -hmm. speed one still exists all on its own you could happily watch it and never watch the sequel again for the rest of your life. Speed two existing does not ruin Speed One's quality. Though I think the the aspect of it that like gets ruined in like a uh, audience feedback world or whatever is that they broke up after. But again, like, yeah. like you as an audience member could just be like, who the hell cares about this second movie? Because it's just a story, and you could choose to not pay attention to that ending. Like, and just... that's not canon. That's some alternate dimension. It, just, it doesn't even yeah. matter, because that's not in the Speed movie itself. Because, like, right. these are not just, real people. That movie invests all this energy in, like, this winning chemistry oh, between 100%. these two characters. And but that's then still... this movie throws it away. That, that's know? still 100% there when you watch Speed, though. And when you watch sure. Speed, you have a sense that they will make it out. I then guess you have so, a second... like this is like I still enjoy Men in Black One despite knowing Men in Black Two undoes that love story yeah. for K and just goes back to the status quo. Like I don't care about Two. Two is like a mistake. Sure, that no, that's what funny. I'm saying. Like you can still really enjoy the first movie, even though the second movie might have changed things back. It's like 
I know who Luke Skywalker is as a person, despite Ryan Johnson telling me he's not that person in Last Jedi. He hates kids. He'll cut them up. <laughs> but if my they have point a bad is, dream. no, that's Anakin Skywalker. Uh, yeah, right. No, you're no, right. Luke like, Skywalker. Yes, you're right. Yeah. He, he doesn't hate kids. He hates teenagers. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm not saying the younglings. <laughs> no, I know. The, I got really yeah. confused because Ben was ben not that solo. Ben was yeah. pretty old. But anyways, I, I'm saying like I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Ryan Johnson says about it because all of this other thing said something different. And it's not like what Ryan says ruins like Luke's motivations. It's like if I if I care about and I like Last Jedi, then I have to wrestle through the oh, idea. Sure. No, of No, th- this movie definitely had me just like, man, I want to watch Speed One because yeah. I like that movie. Yeah, and it's it's not like yeah, it ruins Speed forever because I know their love is doomed or something. <laughs> it's like that was a terrible gin together sequel they yeah. came up with for money. Just like don't watch that movie and appreciate it. it for what it is because at the end of that movie they don't have like a sailing off into the sunset there with a just married sign. Especially now in this world of like we're gonna make like a midquel or whatever. Yeah. Like we liked Halloween one. We're gonna make a sequel trilogy to that movie. Yes. And just insert it in the world h2o didn't happen or whatever like you can do that if you want but that's the thing yeah. is like yeah and like and then even or, that or superman but even that you can do that and that's totally fine because all of those other movies still exist and they matter because you like them but because this new sequel trilogy happens doesn't mean like halloween 2 or h2o never happened they never right. happened it's like no they did those are movies that are on your shelf and you could watch them i think part of what's frustrating here though is like seeing filmmakers take like a winning formula and then not understand how it worked and like fail to capture it again. Like I know it's hard to capture lightning in a bottle twice or whatever, but like we said with like Jason Patrick's character, just smashing things. Yeah. Like there was a moment early when he's on the, like uh, the deck or whatever, like he's with all the other sailors and he's like, no, no, there has to be like a transmitter or something. Like he, he, he's hacking the ship. Like I got to figure this out. And he starts like feeling around. I don't think he finds it though. No. He just sees like some knickknacks and goes, oh, he probably used charges that are similar to this golf balls and then runs away to go solve that. And I felt the first movie had like moments of clever, like detective ingenuity from Jack. Yeah, but Jack's like, Jack's oh, a we can trick right? the hacker. We can trick the bomber with this camera loop or whatever, like stuff like that, you know? We're both Jack. Wait, sorry. Did Jack and Jason Patrick's character, who I don't remember the name of, are they both LAPD SWAT? Alex, yeah. Yeah, they're both LAPD SWAT. So wait, they yeah. know each other then. They they were maybe on the same police force, yeah, but <laughs> okay. that doesn't really get explored because it's just like, yeah, it didn't work out. I broke up with him from Annie. But sorry, but like, whatever. yeah, I was about to say because I was going to say Jack did some good detectiving, but I'm like, he's not a detective though. He's just a SWAT member, which is like, no, he's just like a pr- pretty savvy SWAT guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's just a blunt force object. Whereas Alex I think in the of... intro, like Elevator Dilemma too, he's kind of like wait a minute, like, this is rigged in a weird way or whatever. Like, he he has an eye for these details, and him and Jeff Daniels are a pretty good duo at solving crazy cases like this. We don't get any of that with Alex. He he is just a daredevil uh, beach patrol guy in her mind, and yeah, like, his cop work is basically just... I don't trust that dude because he didn't watch a golf tournament. I'm going to chase him, you know, yeah. like no, his, that's all his cop work. Like, you're right. Like, they never once they one never once actually stop him from being able to hack the ship. They just like do other like 
actual mechanical ways of moving and maneuvering the ship. Right, which is sort of like I I buy that as like we can't hack it. Like we have the like Rob McCarty or whatever. He is not able to access the programs anymore. Yeah, we're gonna just need to brute force this, like jam a wrench in. Which it. I don't mind, but they never once like actually foil his plans. Then, other than a <laughs> boat is a pretty safe thing, and they have lots of like redundancies to make sure that things happen. Well, that's the thing. I felt like this movie kind of just like okay. To be fair, the bus does ultimately explode in the first movie. Yes. They just got all the hostages off of yep. it. You know, but then you still get your spectacular wreck moment. Yeah. So this is kind of like that in that his plan is to steer it right into an oil tanker. Yes. Uh, and that is foiled, but then there is still a terrible disaster that That's happens. the thing is like, so I think, I don't know. I don't, I was trying to understand this movie. So like, okay, they want to crash no matter what. Like, whenever you're in a speed movie, the vehicle has to be destroyed, right? Because that's the rules. And Jan de Bont wants to wreck things. Yeah. That is his goal. Yeah. And there is some pretty solid criticism that that, like, fourth act fight between, like, on the train between Dennis Hopper and Jack is, like, a little too much because, obviously, Jack would destroy Dennis Hopper as a retired cop with a thumb missing. But mm-hmm. you need to have, like, a bit of more action at the end. That's a kind of a thing. Um... This yeah, one, it's a though, very improvised final plan on his part. He kind of loses his cool, yes. and that's how that works, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. but with this one, it's like, okay, cool. They avoided a giant ecological disaster <laughs> to only yeah. then create the same giant ecological disaster, just with no loss of human life. Yes, which is super improbable, but I found very funny in that kind of like. G.I. Joe, oh god, and then they run away from the tank just seconds before it yeah. explodes, so the yeah. kids aren't seeing corpses, you know. Yeah, for me it's the G.I. Joe scene that. where it's like the ice is uh sinking as the explosions go off. Like that's my favorite scenes. I'm i I'm talking about the cartoon. No, like, I, I'm it, talking about that great movie by Steven Summers. So that great Steven Summers movie. Who who trades in this kind of wrecking stuff and campy fun thing I would hope for. But the from thing is like the creator of Twister, like, you know. Yeah, when you look at Jan de Bont's career, yeah, it is a a sharp plummet down. Un- yeah, no, it's crazy. He was basically set up to like he had two hits in a row and was on his way. Right, but, he could okay, have been one of fairness, the names of action cinema. Right, speed speed is better than Twister. Yeah, bet be, like a better movie. I I like both of them in different ways because Twister is a pretty unique disaster movie to me. Sure, like it it's not quite the same formula. It would be like there's a there like. In Poseidon Adventure, five ships tip over. Like it's it's stupid how it's structured, you know. Yeah, but what I, I guess with I never really seen it as a disaster film, and I seen it as another high concept action film where you don't even need action star. We're chasing tornadoes to study them. Yes, recklessly. Yeah, and we're just gonna see weather wrecking things for like two hours. Yeah, yeah. It's, Starring one it's of the insane. greatest directors of all time, uh, the little children guys in it. Oh. <laughs> Like he's one of the, their, their he's the storm goateed, crew. He's the goateed dude. Yeah. What's his name? Okay. Todd. Field. Field. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I'm saying is like when I say quick descent, I mean like he his first feature film is like one of the best action thrillers of all time. Mm-hmm. Then he did Twister, which is a good movie. And then it's just like bum. And you can see it on IMDb. His, he, like, I mean, to be fair, his big drop off is this one. I, like that's the thing. I thought this was the career killer, and it's like, oh no, he made a couple more, but it's like big he ones. struck out three times. You oh know? yeah, but he made a couple more big ones. Like they gave him a giant plotted uh, 
like re- Hollywoodized remake of The Haunting of Hill House called The Haunting. Yeah. And it was like, like nobody liked it. And then what was his last one? Oh, okay. He d- yeah, he did The Haunting. So Strike Two, I guess. Yeah. And then Lara Croft: The Cradle of Life. That's right. And okay. I know people. Okay, so Ebert before, likes that one too. I think before this episode, Nathan, but he likes yeah. both. He likes both Laura Croft films. Before yeah. this episode, I sent Nathan a website I found, which has to do with kind of the things we're talking about, but in a very weird, skewed way. It's a whole website dedicated to one person's opinions about Roger Ebert's opinions being wrong. So they what <laughs> yeah. they do is they take an opinion of Roger's where Roger gave a movie a high score or a low score and re-rates them as, like, he was wrong. So, like, the Laura Croft films, Roger gave both, I think, three stars, but I think the second one, three and a half. Or both three stars. Both three stars. And he's like, no. Three stars sounds about where he'd go, yeah. He's like, no. Both of those are one-star max movies, and he makes an argument why Roger Ebert is wrong. And on his opinion. Roger Ebert is a human who sat down and went, what a crazy stunt, and liked what was happening. And so, it's kind yeah. of funny because every single movie we've covered in this batch so far is on these lists. And Right. Well, we were like sought, like seeking out these divergent opinions also, but in like a positive yeah. spin, well, I hope, I think we're for the trying most to understand his mindset and sometimes getting there. You well, know? Most, yeah, I think for the most part, you and I have agreed with Roger or gotten close to agreeing with him a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And here we are, this guy was like, no, he's like fundamentally disagrees with him on every single divergent opinion. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Lord Craft, oh, the first one, Tomb Raider, yeah. is a fun movie. It is. It's a fun oh, movie. Oh, sure. I had no qualms with the first one. I think the second one, we tried to sit down and watch together and just concluded it's kind of boring. It is. Like, it just yes. keeps going. And it's like, I don't I don't know. This pirate cave is not that well, and fun. Gerard yeah. Butler is no Daniel Craig. Like, like that's just a reality. Yeah. I, like, guess so. I think everybody agrees with that. And, and the kind of lunacy of that first one, like racing up a crazy pyramid or whatever. I don't feel there's anything that Nothing. matches that oh, level. That yeah. scene is it the way they even like set it like against like this backdrop of like a dreamscape of world of open emptiness is uh-huh. like, it's such a crazy scene that I'm sitting there being like, somebody said like, this is what we, this needs to look like. It needs to look exactly like a video game. And I was like, they did it. Like they and they're racing for like a floating like collectible yeah. at the top. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, Ugh. but two has like wingsuits and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I guess in regards to the divergent opinions thing, we didn't really focus this on this last week with the Phantom. That was like a forty three percent like Rotten Tomato approval. Yeah. This is ten times worse than that. <laughs> this is like four yeah. percent of like seventy plus people, which is only said two anything people. positive, or is it three? Yeah. I think it's three people, and Gene and Roger are two of them. And who's the, uh, some third? Must have been just some like random blow Joe, Joe Blow person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't investigate who was the third. I guess, the... but we're we're saying like if we're appreciating this movie at all, it's sort of backhanded. Like it's like this is bad, but it's so crazy. Yes. that it's entertaining. I was right? laughing. My wife and I watched this together, and we were both multiple times laughing when we weren't supposed to be laughing. Yeah. Okay. I, I can sort of get on board with that, although I feel pretty strongly that the second hour is where most of that happens. Yes. The first hour, I kind of, other than Willem Dafoe, who's doing solid, maniacal villainy stuff with his hacking and leeches and, like, golf clubs and everything, like, I hate looking at this movie for, like, the first hour. It's like a soundstage claustrophobic nightmare of just, we're inside corridors of a boat and it's wet. 
and there's oh, lights flashing the thing, and it looks it is bad. A, so you were talking about this. I, I, I did mean to mention this earlier. I did yeah. watch it on DVD and okay. there was whole scenes where I was like, when it flashes dark, I can't see a thing. And when it flashes light, it's such a short beam that I was like, before we finally get outside, there's literally a cut in the scene where like we're running around the lower levels of the boat and then all of a sudden they get outside to do stuff outside pretty exclusively there on. Yeah. Once they're outside, this movie does become better. Yeah, no, I swear there's like a, a cut where it's like they deal with all this stuff at night where the you have I don't 15 think so. minutes no, no. to evacuate. They're just inside the boat where there's no windows. Well, there's a cut where it's now daytime and we get a wide shot of the boat. That was my breath of fresh air moment where I was like, oh, Wait, thank God, a wide shot. You know, they just hours went by where they couldn't find Willem Dafoe on this boat. Well, 70 minutes. Oh, yeah. Like all night, apparently, because they did the evacuation tension bit with the storm and everything. You know, yeah, that's right. Like, oh, the lifeboat is hanging on the so, side of the boat. Because it wasn't dawn. It's like middle of the day when they get outside. Yeah. It's like not it's like. suddenly the next day. Everything's been hacked. He has the diamonds and is scheming to get make a getaway, I guess. And they can't and, find him for hours. And they can't find him for a bit on the boat because he's in control. He's locking whatever doors he wants. So to. Again, this is one of those things where like, honestly, the some of these things don't like if you're not like, I guess I, I feel like I was watching. I didn't have my phone on. And I didn't catch that this was like, I thought this was all within like, they were just inside. That's why it's dark because it's inside a boat. And when you're in a boat, there's no windows. Cause it's I guess you could open. maybe chalk it up to like, they somehow passed through a storm that was really, really cloudy. And <laughs> like an anachronism is the thing I'm thinking. No, it fully feels like a night goes by and then it's, it's at least morning time when we Jeez. arrive to the Island to crash into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I just, it's just fascinating. It's crazy to me. That's all. Okay. Once Anyways. we get to the like rope stuff, I I that scene's okay. No, I that guess. scene is so okay. There's so many parts of that scene that like I couldn't help but pay attention to some details. So okay, let's. I want to talk it through just because like there's some actually crazy things that happen in that scene. We're, like they're essentially we're gonna ta- Django Fed is like, hey, let's tangle up this boat with, with this the- cable. With, like, yeah. the anchor, it's essentially the anchor rope. Like, it's a giant, thick rope that they're, thick like... Thick rope, yeah. Like, so, they're, uh, like, okay, so Jason Patrick's, like, well, okay, well, I'll go under with my, uh, like, scuba gear, but you gotta tie me up because I'll get sucked into the plates, propeller. right? Because that's, yeah. that's why you don't jump off of a cruise ship, because you're not gonna swim out fast enough for not get sucked into the whirlpool that gets created at the back of a cruise ship. Yeah. Anyways. That's how the captain died. Um, yeah. So, he gets hooked up... And there's this like dramatic scene where he's under the water trying to lead this smaller rope that will eventually tie up to this bigger rope. But when you cut to this to the outside where Sandy B and Django Fett is, they're like the rope that Jason Patrick is on as they're trying to pull him in is almost always slack. And he is, uh, but we cut to underwater, and it is always like he's pulling hard on it, and we cut right, to outside. Yeah, there's a moment where it tightens underwater, and he's yes. like, oh. But, but that doesn't really get reflected. Oh, it is up slack top. Yeah. every moment and to the point where Sandy B is acting, fake acting, pulling on a rope that is fully not connected to anything in the water. And it's so painful to watch. There's even a scene in this in the scene where they have a shot of Sandy's face and she reads three lines of dialogue and not a single one of them come out of her mouth. They are 80 yard and her mouth isn't moving, but the shot is fully on her face. There, yeah, like, is it just like, oh no, he's yes. he's not coming up or whatever? Yes. Like, just and stuff to be like, no, they're worried about him. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, anyway, so they get this thing and tangled And somehow up. His, ro- his rope to get pulled back up gets tangled with somehow, the rope that is... they're trying to get pulled into the thing. I think they're trying so... to use the logic of, like, you ever had, like, you connected all the cables behind your TV, and you did it all so nicely that they're all, sec- like, they're all separate from each other, but then a couple weeks later, when you have to go untang- un- unlock something, nobody's they been back They just kind of grab each other, yeah. <laughs> they're sentient, and they do that, yeah. It's like that missing sock, like, where you're like, wait, where did that sock go? Like, I don't... How did I lose it, that one sock? It's a pretty chaotic scene. It's also a scene where I'm questioning the logic of having your actors be the stunt people because he's in like a big mask, like a underwater gear and everything. I couldn't really tell if that's Jason Patrick or not. So yeah. why put Jason Patrick in in danger? But it's just like no it's just an underwater tank. He's not actually in any danger, though. Oh, sh- I guess so. Just drowning there, wait, threat. Do you actually think there's nobody? They were not actually underneath a boat. There's no propellers there, <laughs> yeah. but the the drowning fear. I yeah, guess. I guess like, he had a San, full Sandra Bullock apparently had to overcome a real fear of drowning to yes. be in this. A hundred percent, which is part so, of what the twelve million dollars pays for, I guess. Then but, the yeah. next crazy thing happens because eventually, uh, Willem Dafoe figures it out, sneaks on to this part of the boat, and like turns off the machine that's letting the rope go, like this big cable go. But yeah. they don't notice this at all, which is crazy because it's a giant rope making lots of sound. But Django Fed and Sandy B are preoccupied trying to save Jason Patrick's. And then, okay, because of that, the propeller creates a tension with this cable. And, the machine, yeah, that's putting, and it pinching pulls it. This giant piece of anchor, which is like, this is like thousands of pounds of stress. And it pulls it, and it actually hits Django Fett and doesn't yeah, slice him. Into a billion pieces. It just gives him a cut across his arm. In that moment, I thought he lost his arm. Yeah, and then that, it's just like, no, no. It, that, j- it just kind of janked it up. I feel yeah. like even that one, I was like, in re- it, like the easy, like the most basic small thing that could happen to him is him losing his arm. But that didn't mm-hmm. even happen. It was just like a cut across his shoulder. Well, they put, they put it in a sling they after. He can't sling. use it anymore. And then so. this anchor goes flying, and instead of hitting the propeller, like everything else gets sucked into the propeller, it goes whizzes right past it easily. No, th- yeah, that big heavy machine, I was like, that could just smash the propeller, and then you've succeeded. You've slowed the boat down. Yeah. But it kind of just so happens to untangle the rope and <laughs> sail past it, and then we're going yeah, full speed again. Everything else 18. that gets sucked into the propeller would get sucked in, but not this heavy thing would not get sucked into a propeller. Bounced away and, yeah. and, and missed it, yeah. <laughs> This this stuff, like the propeller stuff, the anchor stuff, like that's where like 1997 CG is on full display. Oh, man. Like there's scenes of just like a really bad looking animated anchor and then a real anchor hits yeah. the bottom and you're just like, I can see the difference. Like, I don't what know is, what you're trying to sell What is up with on. 1997 being a year where they're like, let's do full CGI and not this like beautiful mix that they've been doing up until then? Like models slash this. Like you think thing. about like that's like when you think about Jurassic Park, and this is to be fair, Lost World came out a few months before this movie, and you think about it, it's like oh, like there's full CGI monsters in that movie in Jurassic Park, like Lost World, sorry, that look significantly better than any of the CGI in this hundred and sixty million dollar film. And there's a boat crash in that movie that looks pretty good. Yeah, you know, there's just and, a... and not just that. Then, because I'm only asking this question because, like you said, a few months later, Air Force One comes out, and mm-hmm. it's like, 
one of the worst pieces of like CGI-ness of all history. That's a great movie. And then the the last effect it leaves you with is just like, wow, is that like pre-visuals? Like, what is that? <laughs> it You're was, not even I think it was pre-visuals, it. but it was like Wolfgang being like a dude who didn't, un- like, who's like, yeah, this is, hey, cool that we that can do this. Good. That looks like, good. That's cool. enough. Yeah. It's like, well, it's better than crashing a real airplane. I'm like, nobody was asking you to crash a real airplane, but Jan de- Jan de Bond's solution is like, well, it's either we have a full CGI boat and crash into an island, or we crash a real boat into a fake island. <laughs> oh, and when you look, when you actually, so okay, let's before we jump ahead. So they're mm. they're working on a scheme to stop Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is able to stay ahead of them at every turn and stop them somehow. I don't remember how he does it all the time. Oftentimes he just well, goes and he, works Well, he has seat. like his gear on his arm and he's like seeing the speed and stuff. And it's like, oh, they're slowing it down. I better meddle with that. And then like goes and does that. Well, oftentimes uh, he just he just overcompensates. Like he's like, okay, go faster now. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't know. I'm starting to run Oh, and they can't change their point. heading is the main problem. What with the, the oil tanker? The, the oil tanker crash dilemma was where where this movie found like comedy gold for me because it's it's like a combination of the score just being this like really repetitive like didn't didn't like it's like oh no it's no, gonna it's happen the, they do the speed they do the speed sound that kind of looks like sounds a lot like the bad boys soundtrack too okay i, I don't know it just had this weird vibe to it but yes it, but the, it's like constant mounting tension yes. music but the tension on screen is like not existent. It's like that boat looks like it's miles away. Like, but no, miles but that's the worst away. part. I can like, barely see it. It looks. That's the worst part for my opinion. Was like it doesn't look like it was miles away. It looked like it was kilometers away, and it still took mm. thirty minutes for us to get there. Like, <laughs> crazy amount of events happen. Like, I swear, this whole boat like rope thing happens after they've realized that's where they're crashing. Yeah. Like that's where they're headed. Yes. So we get a huge action, like action scene, a disaster scene with this rope and everything. Yep. Uh, there's uh, Willem Dafoe like pulling a pistol and like oh all this minutes and minutes and minutes happen with the like threat in the air of oh no we're gonna crash, and right away during that like like I'm sort of flashing back to when I was 11, and also now when I'm 34 is just like. Can't the boat just move? Like, can't the tanker just haul anchor and no? They they say that so it's like over. We're gonna hit this boat in twenty minutes, but mm-hmm. it'll take them to go from not like not on moving to move yeah. to on in thirty minutes. I okay. think that sounds right. Like, it sounds right that like you can't it's just a big like ship. You can't yeah. just start a boat and then have it start moving. Like, it's like Instantly. even to get the it's propellers huge. going takes a while, and then to like actually get a boat to start moving, it is like a slow ramp up. But that's why this movie is such a dumb idea to put a speed film on because boats are slow, even boats when they're are fast. big and look slow. Even yeah. when even if they're going fast relative to boats, it's slow compared to a bus speeding by people in traffic. Yes. you know it doesn't look fast. Yeah. So. The, Even when and it like, crashes, I swear, I swear the guys on the tanker too have like a delayed reaction. They're just kind of like, "What? There's a boat coming?" <laughs> no, they All do. Right. They have like they we have should like phone them minutes. and tell them to stop because that's ten minutes dangerous. of them being like, "Why? Why aren't they stopping? Why aren't they turning?" And then they finally like start the boats within like a few minutes away from like hitting them. Yeah, they they leave it way too long, and it's just like. Oh geez, we're gonna have to do something. I guess this sucks. And then like they have to haul anchor to move their ship, and it's too late. 
they 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 sat around way too long for this yeah. slow motion missile that's heading towards it. Oh man! And honestly, and then, like, same year is Austin Powers, right? International yes. Man of Mystery. That gag where a man is like across a warehouse and a out of control vehicle is slowly coming his way. Okay, so that that man, that man that you're talking about who gets run over yeah. slowly is the slowly. only person in movie history to be killed yeah. by two Michael Myers. <laughs> what what was his other Mike Myers death? He wasn't. He was killed by Michael Myers. Oh, he's in killed by the stab man. He's okay. in Halloween Kills, and he got killed by Michael Myers. And he got killed by Mike Myers. Oh, so years later, they cast him as a, a stab victim. Yeah, as a, as a dude who gets stabbed by Michael Myers. But years right. after, he already got killed by Mike Myers. Slowly. Does he scream way too long and like wait for it's, Michael to get him? It's because <laughs> that's it's honestly like I was just I don't love Mike Myers, but Austin Powers one is such a perfect spoof in so many like little dumb ways, and that is one mm-hmm. of them easily. That. Yeah, like that false tension I felt was what was funny about this movie, but this movie's not trying to be funny no, about it. It's no. like, no, no, this is a problem. Like they're going to well, crash into that's that the ship. Thing is, like I don't believe that the director thought that he was making a good movie cuz he got paid mm. a crap ton of money for this movie. Yeah. Cuz if he did, he would have done something a little bit better, but that's the question I have is like the ultimate question we have here is Yon DeBont a good director or is he just a dude who should have always been a DOP? Like he just kind of luck into a couple hits and yeah, like, like he found was... like he's like oh if I direct a movie like Tony Scott does that that I'll be successful because that's essentially what he does his thing is like mm. fast edits like yeah no the chaotic cutting of this movie and like some of the shots it's the cinematographer is Jack N Green who's kind of Clint Eastwood's go to guy hmm. like there were just choices that I was like this looks silly like. Like during the soundstage section when everyone's like panicking and they have to evacuate or whatever, there's like a shot going down a hallway with like panicking people in life jackets. And then the camera just kind of swoops up to a light that's like spinning. It's just kind (laughs) of what? Why would you end your shot on that? This looks terrible. And then the entire sequence where the boat's hanging off the edge of the boat in darkness. Yeah. Like there's no sense of motion during any of that. And that's the whole conceit is like, oh, no, the boat started again. That that lifeboat is going to shake off the ship and kill all those people. I got no sense of that at all during any of that. It was just dark, rainy noise. You know? Yeah. What are you frowning at? Sorry. I'm just listening. looking at this guy's like what he drank. He is a big Clint Eastwood guy. He started yeah. working with Jan DeBont in a, a Twister the year before. Sure. Which is a coherent visual movie there is one frame the tornadoes there's one thing that he did on his list that i'm like what is this he was involved with the veggie tales video not not the motion picture no like it's he's director of photography for josh and the big wall the veggie tales video all right it's passion project no (laughs) i don't know anyways uh okay yeah so this it's like, yeah, I mean, Roger Deakins has been involved with animation. Like, he helped out with uh, Wally, right? But it's like, that oh, makes sure. sense to me. <laughs> it's just VeggieTales is kind of a weird thing in comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. And it wasn't like he went on. He still went on working with Clint after this movie, and he worked with, like, eventually Judd Apatow and 40-Year-Old Virgin. Like, he he's continuing to work in Hollywood after this film. He didn't, like, his career didn't tank because of this. No, no. He's, he's just don't do a disaster movie, I guess, yeah. which is... This is this movie reads more like a disaster movie to me than an action movie. 
Like it's caused by a villain. Yes. But it's mostly people just freaking out about oh, cables yeah, because snapping and there's water. Almost no gunfights. There's no, no like fighting. They barely have guns on the boat. It's like, oh no, I'm gonna grab a skeet gun. Yeah. So and I have a Willem weapon. Willem Dafoe has a little hand pistol, but never shoots, fires it once. I don't does think he, he does. It? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, like, there's no fighting really, even either. Like, there's all, no because like, really... he he's hacking doors closed. Like he's on the well, other yeah, side. Yeah, and like of Willem doors. has no henchmen. Like this is why henchmen is kind of like key. But even Speed One doesn't have henchmen. It just Speed, has... Speed One just has a maniacal, like crafty yeah, like, villain. Speed One, I wouldn't know? call it disaster film, but it has a thriller aspect to it. Yeah. Whereas this one doesn't have that thriller aspect because there's nothing tense or thrilling happening. Because it's a boat, which yes. was key to Yann DeBont's like dream, I guess. Was you keep it has saying to be a dream, boat. and I've only ever heard nightmare. He kept having a nightmare. Of well, it's a boat. the same thing. Bad dream. I, I guess so. I yeah. I, all I'm saying is like it is the most uh, bougie dream nightmare I've ever heard in my entire life. Of like, what if a cruise ship hit a town? Hit a small, Let's an island town, an island town. Like it was like that is a bougie nightmare. A person who goes on cruise ships enough to worry about it crashing into an island town. Well, okay. After two successful movies, so let's can... let's talk about this final scene. Say they finally get the boat to turn, and it stops from hitting. It scrapes up against the tanker, but does not wreck. Yeah. And then, uh, and then there's just... a moment where everyone on board kind of like <laughs> Austin Powers again looks up and realizes something. Yes. Oh, shit. We're going to hit that island, yeah. says five different groups of characters yes. or whatever. And there's nothing they can do about it, apparently. They just careen through. And Ebert, Ebert highlights like how fun it is that so many of these characters allow a giant ship to like sneak up on them <laughs> for this scene to work. Yeah. Uh, cause just like, whoa, there's a boat here. I'm going to get hit. <laughs> it like happens like seven so times, many times as they're approaching. So the problem with this scene, I mean, I don't know. You said on like a high, high def. I didn't see in a high def, but this yeah. town looks like Hollywood eyes made. Like it doesn't look like a real, it looks like they built, uh, like from parcel wood. Yeah. Like, it, it looks there. Yes. Like it's physical th- things yep. that they built but it's like yeah prefab kind of ha- like four walls and a roof and probably and not a back to some of the, them like some it looks like a set town looks like one of those old west ghost towns where it's like a lot of front facing things but no back mm-hmm. because that's like because we're gonna extra. wreck all this anyway so yeah. why why bother yeah but the, like the and the paint... way some of these buildings crumble yeah well yeah. the way they crumble is like they were built to crumble too uh, mm-hmm. And the, the paint job being so fresh on so much stuff. So the, I'm guessing the way that they did this is they didn't actually build on land. They just built a giant deck. A giant pier. Yeah. To wreck. Because yeah. a boat couldn't wouldn't go up on land. It's just like a giant pier. So all these people are like, you're living in the water, man. Like you're you're essentially like your house you're is on a fall. houseboat in a way. Yeah. You're hovering over the water yeah. on a on a sh- on a building. Yeah. And they don't yeah. actually crash a boat the size of the re- the boat in the movie, right? It's just a, a there. There's boat. kind of like a front part of a boat. Yeah, like th- the, they had three different. There's exhaustive detail <laughs> about how this was staged on Wikipedia, but yeah, it's like this front steerage part that they crash into things to allow for but what's, what's the pushing coke it from truck behind? to get broadsided. There, I from what I saw, there was like this this big metal grilling. I don't know how they're moving this thing. 
but yeah. probably other boats are piloting it, pushing sure. it, tugboats or something. Man, what an exhausting like somebody somebody yeah. at Fox got fired for this movie. I, I guarantee because it's just like this went over budget too because uh, there was a uh, hurricane damage that made them have to do some of this over, like yep. build it again to crash again. So <laughs> even like even if we are on the conservative side of this budget and we say Jan de Bont says one ten, yeah, uh, but he would say one ten because he doesn't want the black eye at one sixty. Mm-hmm. But even that is like that is that is a big movie even to this day. There is giant effects driven blockbusters that are made for under a hundred million dollars to this day. Mm-hmm. But this is. 25 years ago. five years ago yeah and it's like and then let's say we do go up to 160 and it's like that box office makes no sense because even the first movie did only made 160 at the box office right they the, yeah i i that's the thing i don't really understand why they dedicated so many resources to this after keanu said no you know it's like well, we but, don't even think, have all the pieces like, in place. But that's Let's the piece. Be conservative. You but know? that's the piece of that high concept action that they just took too far. That there is like you do need to have a star connected to like it, it can't just be anybody on a mountain. It's got to be Stallone on a mountain. Mm-hmm. It can't just be anyone being the president. It has to be Harrison. Now nobody wants to just go see a Harrison action movie, and they don't want to go see just a president being kidnapped action movie. They want to see Harrison Ford as the president action movie. They want mm-hmm. to see not Joe Blow being a mountain climber. They want to see Stallone as a mountain climber. Like you have to marry those two ideas together, and they did miss that piece by like it's fine. Oh whatever, we'll just sub in some other guy with dark hair. And Keanu yeah. became genuinely like they talk. There's all this talk about him being an unknown actor in '94. He wasn't an unknown actor. He just wasn't a giant male lead yet. Yeah, he'd already been in Bram Stokers and stuff for our benefit, I guess. Yeah, and but, he was. Yeah. He's like he's been Bill, Bill and Ted, and. and- for both movies. Mm. So he's he's been around Hollywood for a while. J- you can't say the same thing about Jason Patrick cuz like not a like he's a dude that was been around in Hollywood for a while but nobody really cares that he's around. I guess this this would that would have been like his leading man breakout. Like he helmed a movie and it worked, you know. So hooray, Keanu has arrived. Yes. And uh, yeah. and now he's on to make The Devil's Advocate instead of this. So well, I'm right more after curious making... about that. Right after making Chain Reaction, which was bad. Yeah, I don't remember liking that at all. But he was tired of doing action stuff yes. after that. Yeah. So it was another. To be fair, have you, do you reason. ever see Devil's Advocate? Not in its entirety, because it was kind of like that's a weird, freaky movie as a Christian upbringing. Yeah. Like it was, it was blacklisted in a way. So I haven't sat down I mean, and watched it. You and I had very different Christian upbringings because I I saw it when it came out. And... We had a teacher tell us that that movie was evil. So <laughs> great. I, I, I had I went to public school, so I was no teachers cared about the movies I watched on the weekend. But yeah. oftentimes I would, my parents would be like, because the difference was this was always great to me. I would always pick and choose between Rogers and Blockbuster because sometimes a movie in Canada that will be PG uh, 13 in the States, but uh, 14A in, in Canada or vice versa. Sometimes it'll be uh, 18A in Canada, but PG 13 in the States, but Blockbuster mm-hmm. followed the American guide and the but Rogers followed the Canadian guide. So I'd find out which movie I was going to rent and be like, Oh, I, I have to go to Rogers for this one because it's, because their uh, rating will allow me to, yeah, to rent choose it. it. Exactly. Uh, w- wouldn't Devils have been like it would have been or high, something? But I slipped yeah. it into a pile with my parents, like not knowing. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I, I watched it. It's fine. It's better than this movie, but it's not a good movie. You just have Will. You have Al Pacino being the devil, which is like 
That's fun. It should be a feather in your cap. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like a quality asset. But it, it's like it has this really drawn out final scene that is just tons of exposition. Tons of exposition. It's really boring when it should just be only fun. Because it's like okay. just Al Pacino being the full on devil. Not hinting at it. Being the full on devil. And you're like. Horns and everything. No, just an open shirt. Tim uh, Curry in legend style. <laughs> I wish. Oh, okay. Anyways. But anyways, <laughs> but it's just yeah. like he made a better choice, but not a great choice either, though. And he also touring with Dogstar, which, uh, you know, hey, you know, got to get that side of your career I, going. Do you, okay, did you came across this note, too, where the studio was petty about this, like, Keanu being, saying no? That they that, were, like, Yeah, that's they what ran. he asserted was they, they, like, tried to slander him with propaganda, saying he was lazy or something. And I was just like, where, do we have proof of this anywhere? Because I saw it on IMDb, which, of course, you don't have to follow, like, believe anything, but, like... I would or love it, to see or this it could have just been internet message board stuff that Keanu was interpreting as personal. <laughs> or a producer, like, well, but producers would be the ones doing it, being like, yeah, Keanu was, let's say, busy doing other things. Like, you mm. know, like a producer can mention or an, imply something, but I don't even think that happened. I think everyone was just like, oh, yeah, Keanu was, wouldn't come back for this one. Well, I could see them being cruddy about it, though, because they did write it with the thought that he would obviously but sign on. Again, they so should have figured it out hubris. because, and that's yeah. the other thing about this budget. Like I think to pay all the main people, it costs them more the more than the budget of the first movie because mm. like Sandy B made 11.5, but I hear like Jason Patrick also almost made 9 million, which is like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Why are you paying the guy from sleepers that much money? Like to be like generous, I guess, good for these people for being willing to do all these weird stunts because they should not normally be asked to be doing that yeah you know but yeah it they're they're he is so boring in this movie i was <laughs> so mad at he even him like for he being even some fun things to so do nothing there's this yeah. one scene that i really like so at the end of the movie willem dafoe is off on this like jet ski boat thing with sandy b being kidnapped while yeah, the, it's and clearly the, him too, which is you know yeah. cool, I guess. And then yeah. the boat—that's when the boat grinds into the town. So when the boat crashes, they finally like, oh, we have to go save Sandy B. And he has this scene where like he slides down this slippery slope and lands. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a cool looking scene. But then the guy who stands up is Jason Patrick, and you're like, oh, he didn't have fun doing that at all. <laughs> you can see it on his face. He just looks <laughs> kind of just angry. I slid down that thing because I'm getting paid nine million dollars to... to do it. Get paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the the boat chase, plane chase bit at the end. Like, uh, I did enjoy that one of Willem's lines is like, "Hey, stay with me. You're my hostage." <laughs> As she like it's pulls so away. crazy. So she she is able to like. It, this is the craziest boat I've ever seen. So it's a boat that's actually two jet skis, and like right, she's tied up but not tied to anything. And in between them is just this giant lever that just releases one of the jet skis from the boat. And it's just like, why is Willem not concerned that she could easily just slide her wrists over that? Yeah. And then he does like, he's like, Whoa, Hey, get back here. You're my hostage. And you're like, Oh, Willem buddy. I love you so much. You are such a good sport. He is such a good sport. Mm -hmm. And okay. In all honesty, uh, I feel bad for him because he often like, he ends up playing the villain in so many like blah movies, but he's always so great as the villain. So like another good example of this is uh, Clear and Present Danger. He's not a villain in that. He's like, isn't he the main villain? 
No, no. He he's like part of this uh, black ops team that is initially mad at Harrison Ford because he thinks he betrayed them, but yeah. then he's on his team at the end. Okay, like it's been a they while. figure out. Last the time I tried to watch villain. it, I watched only half of it, so I got like only villain vibes from him. Because... He he's you know fight like fighting cartel people on the government's dime okay. or whatever. But yeah, yeah. He's also in uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Okay, and he's having a grand time in that movie too. But that movie's like forgettable chaotic yeah just whatever so i just i feel bad for the guy because he often like he just he never really found his break even though he's very comfortable working in hollywood like in mm-hmm. the hollywood system he just never got his really break until norman osborne and then obviously he gets killed off right off the bat so i i i enjoy what he's like he's trying so hard to bring like crazy villainy to this like some of the faces he's making are just great like they're just mm-hmm. screen cap worthy crazy looking looks in his eyes or whatever but like, i just feel like that is his yeah. face though he just can make good faces because even you've seen yeah. you've seen lighthouse with him and oh yeah yeah he's just like his the, like his acting he, like the what he brings to that table physically as an actor is like oh he's the perfect person for this role like he yeah no he just has a really interesting face yeah. but when he like like he can smile so wide yeah. and then his whole face kind of creases in this strange way yes. and it's just like that guy's crazy so <laughs> like he's gonna kill jason patrick which you, would be great you and i are but, on the same page but we both don't really love the i know you really don't love it but i don't i don't i don't care don't love it the joker with uh from 2019 Oh yeah, Joaquin. Have you sure? heard Willem Dafoe's like fan fiction like sequel idea? Is it his idea or fans of Willem's want him to be? No, a like he in interviews is like, oh, I have a great idea that I'm trying to pitch to like Joaquin of like he plays a copycat Joker in Gotham. Okay. Like inspired by Joaquin's Joker, and then they kind of have like this Joker war. Okay, some of the faces he was making in this movie made me think he should play a Joker of some kind. Yes. So this is perfect, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it was like it was like that that would be actually a movie I would care about and what I would actually want to see because well A it wouldn't be just a remake of King of Comedy because there was no King of Comedy 2, so they'd have to do an original thing. But also mm-hmm. you get Willem Dafoe playing a Joker and gonna be he is one hundred percent gonna overstage and upstage anything Joaquin does in front of him. <laughs> And I'm going to yeah. be sitting there being like, oh, I love this copycat Joker, guys. Everyone's going to be like, oh, no, it's Joaquin Joker. Kind of rooting for this Joker. Yeah. Hopefully he kills the, quote, Joker and becomes yeah. the Joker. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, so, he's definitely got Joker qualities. Great laugh, oh, too. He, he has some it's one of those, laughing. Yeah. It's like one of those, like, Norman Osborn made so much sense for him because he, he kind of is Spider-Man's Joker villain, mm-hmm. like, level villain, like his main arch nemesis. But it's like one of those things where, like, oh, I kind of wish the Willem... Willem would play a good Joker because I think he would bring a different thing than other past Jokers have done. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the big thing that people talk about. Like, Jack brought a certain type and Heath brought a certain type. I feel like Willem would bring, like, the first time we brought, like, a, a pure, unhinged, chaotic Joker who would just, like, 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 people would say, like, Heath gets so close to being chaotic, but he still has a plan and he tries to execute a plan. Like a chaotic like Joker. Like a moral dilemma thing. Yeah. Like yeah. in creating a scheme, right? Where the chaotic Joker is literally like on a whim, he'll make random decisions and it might hurt his plan. It might help his plan. He just like something that makes him laugh. So he kills Sure. Him. Sure. Anyways. Sure. He has, yeah, fun energy that is struggling to be appreciated in this movie, but yes. is buried by a lot of inept stuff going on. Well, and but, he just yeah. not enough screen time because he doesn't get any good villainy scenes because you're right. He's by himself. He has no partner. 
and he has no way of communicating for, with any of the leads. a minute in this movie, I thought he had a man inside because he has like his headset on. Yeah. And there's this scene where he's listening to the bridge and they're talking about like what they're going to do with like, oh, we're, our heading's off by four degrees. And then he kind of just predicts what they'll say, I yeah. guess. But I thought he was telling a man what to do gotcha. initially. Gotcha. So I was like, oh, one of those dudes is going to be his, like, cohort. And his like, lackey. No, no, no. He's just on his own stealing diamonds. Yeah, yeah. Which then get easily thrown out of the plane by Sandra Bullock <laughs> into the ocean. But this is, okay, so, but this is my concern is, like, he doesn't get much to do because he can't even really interact with the main stars of the film ever. And when he no, does. No, because he doesn't know them and has no beef with them. Yeah, yeah. And even when he does, he, like, kidnaps Sandy. We completely forget about them escaping to focus oh on gosh. the boat crashing. I hate that that scene just leaves like Sandra Bullock isn't even involved in the biggest stunt and the craziest scene in the movie because well, she's not to be on fair, that ship. Nobody really is. Everybody's out of sight. Well, they're just cowering at least. Yes. Like, I mean, there's like no shot of her for like ten minutes. Well, no, because we see she disappears from the movie because she becomes a damsel in distress. Like, this movie is hard. Like, Sandy B is hard done by by this film because she should be the expert because she's literally done this before. I know. I was kind of, as it was going on and I'd forgotten a lot of details, it was like, this could work as like a weird, she just keeps dating wannabe action stars and that's <laughs> like the thing that ties it to the the last one. Yeah. But this time, she's the savvy person who knows what's up and well, like takes care of some stuff. The only time we get that is like the chainsaw bit yeah. and they still play her like a goofy idiot because yes. she keeps holding the saw in front of her after <laughs> she's cut a hole for the survivors. And they're just like, we'd love to be rescued right now, but you're holding a saw in our face. Yeah. What? You're holding a saw in our face, you idiot. Oh, yeah. And then, like, it's like, what is this bit? What is this joke? What is this bit? I, I don't. <laughs> this is what I mean. So, like, so I just feel bad, so, so bad for her because she clearly has talent to be in good movies and have a career as long as she has. Mm -hmm. And yet, they, she somehow agreed to be in a movie where she falls within all the same tropes and traps that she did in the first one. But almost and doesn't worst. even get to be the expert in anything. Like in the last one, it's like, oh, you have to drive the bus so I can like try to figure yeah. out this crazy. She gets scheme. like to partake and participate. She is I and like I hate that they make her the hostage both times. Like somehow yeah. she's like belittled down to like, no, she's only there for fodder for our main action hero. And it's like, guys, you don't even have a main action hero in the second movie because Jack is not here. She is your main character. She is literally first build, but you're treating her the same way you did the first time. Yeah, th I, that was the big point of disagreement between Gene and Roger on this one. Roger wanted what we just said. Like, she should be more involved in this one. Yeah. And Gene was like, no, I'm glad they kind of shoved her aside. She was annoying. Man. I, as <laughs> Jason much as... Patrick, though, right? Like, it's just this weird, okay, I don't see so what you're saying. I went looking for Gene Siskel reviews, mm -hmm. and I couldn't find any. Like, he has a website, but they don't have his reviews on them. And okay. unless you can find, like, an amalgam site, it's really hard to come across a written reviews of his. Because even, like, the Chicago Tribune doesn't always have it. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Yeah. He's a guy that, like, I almost always side with Roger on opinions because Gene just, like, I'm like, there's such an angle that he doesn't quite capture that I'm like, like, yeah, okay, I can understand somebody liking this movie like Roger does. But here he is saying, like, no, Jason Patrick is obviously the star and Sandy B is the boring lackey. And you're like... What? 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 Like, what? she was the breakout person from the first movie. And also, yeah, yeah. like, she's fun in this movie. She's trying her hardest. She's bringing all the chemistry to the relationship. She's mm -hmm. having, like, all the fun in the movie. And Jason Patrick, we cut to him, and it's like, 
boring city. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just bored face. Like yeah. they're, they're the scene in the mall where they kind of like leave each other. There's like a, it just pauses on Jason Patrick for like five seconds. And I was like, what are we getting here? Like, he's not giving us anything. Like, I don't no. get him out of here. <laughs> get him off yeah. the screen. It's, it's really exhausting. So I just, yeah, I don't get this opinion of jeans being like, no, she should be sidelined. And it's like, that seems okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. Fine. But Again, hey, Roger's point hey. of like, hey, we got a dude who's got copper poisoning and he's putting leeches on his body. It's like, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's exactly yeah. what I do want. So I get I guess to close with a couple quotes of his, it's like, uh, well, whatever. His summation is just movies like this embrace goofiness with an almost sensual pleasure. And so on a warm summer evening, do I Yeah, <laughs> like he's just like, it's goofy. I liked it. Yeah. Like it, it, Which it is, just keeps moving and so, it's dumb. Though you and I are like, don't fully agree with Roger on this movie. There yeah. have been many an action adventure film that has been hated by the world that for whatever reason that day we liked it. I'm, I'm not even going to say I fully liked it, but there's like a low barrier sometimes. Like I, I said, live free or die hard had some good explosions in it. Yes. Like they go oh. back to Chernobyl and some nutty stuff blows up. Uh, and this movie oh, has like a you mean big good tanker. day to die hard. Oh, you which one's the bad free. one with Jake? Live free was like, yeah, pretty solid, but it's like good day to die hard. It's the one that everybody hates. That's the one. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot the name. Even it's that bad, <laughs> but on that day, I was like charitable. Yeah. I was like, I had some pierogies after, saw some stuff explode. That's what I mean. Like, whatever. You and I walked out of Mordecai, and we were like, what is everybody talking about? That movie was affable fun. Yeah, slapstick is back, baby. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. People yeah. hate this movie. That's what I mean. So like it happens. Like, I've been on the wrong side, too. So I, I could see, or the Meg. I was thinking about the Meg, <laughs> where it's like, this is not great, but if you want to see a shark eat a bunch of people... If you want to see a giant shark eat a bunch of people, here's the thing. As much as the first Meg is like, I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. That movie might not be good. The fact that it was good enough that to get a second one, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the potential. Is like mm -hmm. having more Megs. Big, crazy sharks. That, I'm like, that's big, a giant sharks is like, like, that's a genius idea. Genius. I, d I don't know that a boat crashing is a genius idea, <laughs> but uh, the... I sort of vaguely admire that they still staged it in a super elaborate oh, way. But that's what know? I'm saying about Roger Ebert. Like, though I'm not agreeing with him fully, I appreciate that somebody like, like, he can, like, debase himself to like and have a fun time at this movie he saw one time, and he thought it was yeah. pretty okay. Because I have many times done that, where I've said, you know what? That movie's not that bad. Period. And there's just a dumb thrill and just like they wreck a lot of stuff. They smash trucks and the the car at the yeah. end, the anchor falls on it. Nathan, there's that I, car. If, if this podcast has proven anything is that you and I like a lot of movies that probably should be considered bad. Like, like this, Jason this X. reminded me of like the finale of Mr. Nice Guy where they just drive a dump truck through a house <laughs> for like eight minutes. Yeah. And it's just like, look at this slow mo stuff. It's like. I'm here for Jackie Chan kicking people. Like, this is a weird thing to put in here, but it is crazy. I've never seen a truck drive through a house, so thanks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was sort of similar to that, where it's just like, I didn't really want this, but a boat does did it. wreck a lot of things. So yeah. I guess that's that's what I found, was yeah. spending too much money on making that appear on the screen for me. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, not, okay, so not a, scream, not a speed sequel, though. <laughs> Let's get into MVPs. I I mean, I'll share first. Okay. Mine probably won't be a surprise because I talked about it a lot. 
but it's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Mine's like, also he's, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I was about, I was like I was like I think and we kind of just shared pretty heavily just now that we both like what he was bringing to the tale, like how he was short like short strawed when he shouldn't have been to really yeah. enjoy his performance. But his, his end of it like when like that first hour I think looks awful, but whenever he's like just typing on stuff and like cackling to himself and hanging out with his leeches there's something like there the, yes. it's not total dead air that's no what i mean like energy. there's something that it connects that hour quality you have dead space of like 10 minutes but then you're back with will and the foe and for a few seconds and you're like okay cool this is good oh thank then, goodness yeah 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 no, so it's not it's com- it's not salvageable. It's just like you said, like even Sandy B, but also Wilton Defoe is completely absent from the final sequence. Like he, they don't even have a cut shot of him like laughing as this boat is running into a small town. He's just like <laughs> has no idea it's happening. No, there there's the tanker screw up where it's just like Sandra somehow notices that it missed crashing right into the tanker, and she's like, "Oh no, that's impossible!" <laughs> like he's just kind of lost it and then yeah his final death i guess is him crashing yeah. this plane into a pyre on the ship yeah, it's so and dumb. unlike the the seaborn legend uh lifeboat people these sailors are really awesome at evacuating they're so good at it <laughs> they're gone within seconds of this happening sailing away like no the whole tanker's gonna explode there's nothing we can do let's get out of here and they're off yeah. So yeah, and then he he wakes up in his crash plane and just starts laughing insanely, and it's like, all right, yeah. like great. Well, and you just like he's... so his boat is like really low, and he like Jason Patrick shows up and tries to save Sandy B, and then he's like, oh, I have to get up high over this boat, and he gets up over the boat and then turns <laughs> to go the lengthways of the boat, rather and then than... levels off way too early. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, why did what he are just, you like, doing? Why did he just go over the boat and then go straight? Because he was going, he was going perpendicular at the boat, and then once he got over the boat, he turned he to turned go parallel left. with it. And you're like, yeah. what? And then he hits this pyre, like you said, and it's like, that, yeah. You I mean, did that. Like, that... you could have avoided that so easy. <laughs> no, I was yelling at the TV as he did all of this stuff, because it's just like, what? How did you let this happen? <laughs> but he, he screwed he up, did. and then yeah. we get a really... Really good, good day, die hard style explosion. Oh and yeah, and you get a gigantic. good cackling. Like he is, he's doing his. He like that. That's a good shot of him, like showing you that he could be a Joker because he's just cackling mm-hmm. as like, explosions go around him. He's just having a good time. Insane laughter. Yeah. yeah. So I enjoyed him in this. I'm glad he got to play a villain in a movie, but it's this movie and it's kind of wasted. <laughs> that's what know? I mean, and that's why I feel bad for Willem because I feel like he works with Hollywood so much, but it doesn't really ever seem to takes him so long to find his like right spot. Right. Whereas like you heard about, uh, Gary Oldman was offered this role. Yeah. But then he, so, like, but he turned it down for another villain role in yes. air force one. And it's like, which, which was kind of perfect because he does a good job. But man, I imagine Willem Dafoe, like they swapped and just like how much fun Willem would have had in that role. Just like this, like crazy Russian. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe they would have turned him German. Just because. Maybe. Anyways. But either way, I, I enjoy what he's bringing to this. It's just, it's unfortunate. It kind of goes by the wayside. And he yeah. did a lot of stunts too, so good for him. Yeah. I hope he got a good paycheck. Uh, but okay, qu- question time. Um, w- Like, kind of coming right off of this, because I remembered, like, I chose this as a rental for me and my friend David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is a movie you kind of foisted on your friends and it didn't go well? <laughs> Like this I was, was like, for me. guys, my birthday party, 
come on over, we're watching this movie, or like, hey, I rented oh, this movie. Oh, the first one was great. Let's check this out. Yeah. And it's like, I did no research on this. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I, I have examples of being like, like showing my friends movies that I like, still like, and then being like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you okay? And I was I'm like, always scared that'll happen. Like, I that was my like attitude with UHF, like showing it to my cousin Jeremy. It's like I like this, but I'm worried you'll think it's really dumb. Yeah. But then he liked it more than I did, so it was fine. <laughs> he liked it more but, than you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I'm always there's always tension in like recommending something you really care about. The, but this is kind of like going in blind on something where you're pretty sure it's going to be great, and you just yeah, because it's like a solid sequel. I, yeah. I I mean, obviously nothing comes to the top of my head right off the bat. Other than like, I mean, for me, it was like Batman and Robin, but I liked Batman and Robin. And I was like, hey, man, like I sat down with my buddy and like he didn't see in theater. So I was like, we're going to rent Batman and Robin. We're going to watch it and we're going to watch it. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be awesome because he kind of liked Batman Forever. But I was like, it's better than Batman Forever, man. It's better. It's got more colors. <laughs> and... That movie stole a lot of Razzie Awards from this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. We watched it, and I had a grand time. Me, who grew up with Adam West, who grew mm. up with just Batman. It doesn't have to be dark and serious all the time. And my friend was like, this is really bad. And I was like, oh, all right. I guess I have bad opinions, question mark? Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, one f- one or two like I I definitely had live and let die happen at a birthday party, which is not a good movie for young ten year olds in like the nineties. You know, Wait, live and let die. Oh, live and yeah. let die. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like James Bond, classic James Bond. We're all Goldeneye fans, but like that's not that doesn't translate. Like that no. energy doesn't go back to the early seventies <laughs> era of no. like black exploitation and everything. It's like no. this is weird. There's about, like about, you need like, to know too much. Like to uh, he's see literally this. a. A pimp, is he not? Like he plays. Uh... No, I don't think that happens. Okay, I, I watched it with him last year, but uh, Yafit Koto is pretty good though. He's got a great death sure. scene in that, but it's comically dumb. Like yeah. he, he, but not what not people explodes. what people are signing up for if they're on board with Pierce Brosnan's. Well, if you're trying point. to like be like, this is a cool action movie, guys. It's like, no, this is a campy <laughs> '70s movie. And it's like, oh yes, sorry, yeah. I got them confused. Yeah. Uh, K-19 was one I made my cousin come watch with oh, me. Man. I believe I've talked about it here. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I was just nutty about Harrison or submarines or both. Well, it was it like, are you a U571 person? Uh, no, like Red October. Red October. I, I already okay. loved Red October, which Yann DeBont filmed. Yeah, so. well, he, he, yes, he, he filmed it. You're right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've always been a Crimson Tide person myself, but I understand what you're saying. Okay. That's like that's then, the Tony uh, Scott level stuff. One I feel I got foisted on by you and my wife was Transformers Age of Extinction. Uh, like, okay. I Time never out. would have seen that movie Time out. Time if out. it wasn't Time for out. you guys. It wasn't just me. Yeah. It was also your wife. I said that. Okay. But you said me and then you said you guys afterwards. You didn't say your wife specifically. I'm pretty sure I did, but okay. okay. But anyways, yes, it was we were, I I'll just go see a Transformers movie in theaters because that's that sounds like an okay way to spend two hours and 50 minutes and, and 50 minutes <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was this one it was like we're and it happened two to be and a half hour like town the worst one of the all of them and nathan mm. you were already such like a you hated that third one like i hated you, the third one yeah and i, I liked it, it. i had a great time insultingly with that not funny yeah like it was yeah but i had a grand time i loved it i thought the third one was a lot of fun um 
but then I was like, I think my friend Chad also came. Or was that that movie? I don't remember. Yeah. But anyways, like, I think I was able to convince your wife that I was like, oh, are you guys seeing Transformers? And you're like, oh, I'm not seeing it. And then she's like, oh, I think I want to see it. I was like, cool. It's going to have Dinobots or whatever. Like, <laughs> and it's then you have... came and you were so grumpy with us. You were so like, that was such a waste I was of like, my time. I knew that was going to suck. And then it did. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg was there the whole time. But here's the thing. TJ Miller right. died back TJ before Miller he was canceled. way too early in that movie too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're right. You're right. And all those things. But then Bumblebee eventually paid off because Bumblebee finally came out and it was like, good. Well, they wrote a screenplay like yeah. for the first time. In well, and life. they also, for me, I don't even care about all, any of that. For me, it's like, oh, look, we're actually on Cybertron. And look, it's all the G1 uniforms. And we're Oh, that, that briefly happens, yeah. yeah. I still feel that like that movie's overstated because it's just like, it's the only competent one. That doesn't make it awesome. <laughs> Never once did I say awesome. I said they made a good one. I still like the okay. first two better. I like that second one. That second one of just being pure nonsense of like dumb stupidity it's like yeah right. i'm all on board with that i i was sort of on board with it when it came out because it's just so what it is it's just like do you want to see transformers for hours that's what they made <laughs> so there's gonna be a pyramid in it i mean but, yeah but michael bay turned into his own like worst enemy throughout those films for sure i feel like i foisted like halloween 2 and max Payne on you to some extent or at least didn't let you leave <laughs> halloween 2 i chose i knew better with halloween 2 because i hated the first one so much like yeah. i came out to of, be clear this is the rob zombie one. yes yeah uh, i love the robert zombie the rick rosenthal movie um yeah. no i saw halloween before you and i were friends because my friend at the time mark loved halloween he loved rob zombie he thought he was a great filmmaker giant question marks big red flags everywhere and so mm. we went and saw Halloween, and I was like, guys, this 45-minute, like, they went from a two, a four-minute intro with Michael Myers to a 45-minute intro, and, and just And then a truncated rehash. Yeah. yeah. And then essentially, and then all they did was make it gorier, but not even in a good way, in a like, gross-feeling ways, where it's like, everything's grimy. Anyways. Mm. And then, yeah, two came out, and I think you and I saw it in the Cheaps, right? Yeah. Yeah. I... I had no real interest until I found out Weird Al was in it. Yes, I know. And I was like, oh, well, I'm there. Yeah. I got to go see that. But and... it's weird because like, so that one I actually sat through. I sat through because I was like, I'm going to sit through this garbage. It's Max Payne. Max Payne is the one where like, I actually didn't even sit through it. I left the theater and I went and sat on the out in the lobby with, on my phone waiting for the movie to be done. I never even seen this all. Like, I've only seen the first 30 minutes of that movie. Uh, 30 minutes? I Maybe 55 kinda... minute rule. Okay. But I definitely left more than half like less than halfway through that movie. But I stayed, so you, you were stayed stuck so because I, I was so I was I your ride. I okay. drove you there, so I had to I waited to It's like no, I'm not leaving. This is an <laughs> abomination, but I need to see well, I every you, second of it. The one mistake I made in the past is I made you leave another movie early because I was so like not in the right headspace to watch it. Because we watched right. uh Star Wars Clone Wars. Clone Wars. And the mo- the moment the the music started and it was like they had that weird spin on the John Williams stuff, I was like, I'm not mentally in the headspace to watch this. Mm-hmm. I've since grown to love it. Like I love the Clone Wars, but when I was in 2008, I was like, I'm I want I want George Lucas only. So like, what are they doing? They're, they're and I, changing you it. and I left. We left. Like I was like, I'm leaving. I gotta go. And you're like, oh 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 okay. So. And I was, yeah, that one I was more like, I'm not feeling this either. Let's get out of here <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, um, no, and you, I still feel that way. Max Payne, we so. did. You, I did just walk out and you just stayed and finished it. Yeah. Even though if he, I'm going to 
like I had this mentality of just like you can't really appraise something unless you've seen every second of it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, oh, they screwed up. It's like you need to know how badly they screwed up. Yeah, so you need to. But stay that's the thing is like, what's more, what's more telling about like they screwed up so bad that you didn't even you, at fifty five minutes. Fifty five minutes is a long time into a lot of movies. Yeah, you turned it off. I don't know. I still, it's like surely they'll figure this out at some point and just have them slow motion jumping and shooting everything. And they didn't yeah. figure it out. <laughs> they had that happen one time before so, they introduced the angels, or which the was demons. the design document of the video game was just, you know, that one scene in John Woo movies that, but the whole time <laughs> and they threw that away. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. This drug that makes you see angels. That's <laughs> the keystone to this whole thing. That's why people love these video games. Okay, so the, my question yeah. next week, just to kind of like prepare you for when we do our ranking episode, so you can have a chance to think about it, is mm-hmm. what's a movie that you should have 55-minute ruled? Just think about that. Just go oh. home and think about it. Because I think like, there is quality to the statement because there is like a deep impact that happens on like – if it's a 90-minute movie and you're turning it off at 55 minutes, you're saying this movie is not even worth the final 35 minutes to watch it. Okay. Or, yeah, it, uh, okay, some stuff's coming to mind, but I'll save it for next week. Yeah, we, we need a question anyways, and so. All right. Oh, but hey, Speed cool. 2, that was our Speed 2 And if book. anybody out there has any movies that they wish they 30, 55-minute rule, they can also reach out to us. Mm-hmm. I won't do that yet, actually, because we didn't really talk about whether we made it to the island or not. I'm oh, not yeah. on the island at all. Did you ironically go to the island? No. Well, that's the thing is like if, if Roger ironically made it to the island, I'm there, but I'm not a three out of four guy. Like I'm saying like okay. a two out of four, I'm having a good time. Two out of four. But it's like one of those, it's like on those, like it's on the cusp of being positive, like 51%. Weird. Yeah. I find the two is like the most damning rating because it's like, oh, this is boring and I can't even look at it. Yeah. But two still says like stuff. there's two yeah. stars worth of quality here. That's what I is there? That's what I see. No, no, but I'm saying like when you hear two, there's still two stars worth of quality here. Okay. Whereas this kind of movie, I'd give like a half star, but it'd be like, it's almost so bad it's good. Yeah, but know? then like that's the question I ask. It's like, this is where star ratings are so... Because I would probably give Battlefield or three and a half stars out of four based upon my enjoyment of that movie. No, you should give it like a zero and then just say it's really interesting though. But I like, I enjoy it so thoroughly, which is the goal of the movie. The the star ratings is all about like my enjoyment, not necessarily like, I'm not objectively saying this art is good. Like the intent was realized. Yeah, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, did I have a good time? I had three and a half out of store, five star, out of four stars, good amount of time. Okay. I think that's what they all are saying, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Like when they do star ratings, aren't they all just saying, "Like, hey, this is this is the amount of fun I had," or "This is how I, much it, I like it." It's hard. I have like a split opinion as to how to judge a bad, it's good movie. Like, it'll be like, do you give it an eight or a nine because you really enjoyed Mario Brothers, or do you give it like a one or a two because it's such a bad interpretation of Mario Brothers, but that makes it hilarious. But like, so but that for me, when I when you, when I see a one and a two, like let's talk about IMDb. If a movie sits at like two point nine, mo- yeah. people are not going to watch it. I guess so. This is at a three point nine, by the way, on yes. IMDb, which is yeah. which is appropriate because that's like that's a number that's so low that people aren't going to watch it. But if something's sitting at like a seven or an eight, you're like, oh, I should watch this movie. So your Mario mm-hmm. Brothers review would be like, oh, you, I should watch this. This guy thinks it's eight out of ten. 
right, but I feel that's like lying because it's like I wouldn't recommend that to most humans on the street. It's like you have to know you're seeking out 90s cheeseburgers or something, you know? But that's why you yeah. have the review that follows it to it so you can explain what you're doing here. The text justifying it? Yeah. Yeah, and this one I, I'd have to give it a pretty low score just because it's, it's not a good speed sequel and yeah. it's also just a messy, chaotic-looking movie for like a lot of it. Yeah, that's fair. And, and then... It has like, hey, it's the guy whose car got stolen, his boat got stolen, but yeah. like that's not that's not inherently funny. <laughs> so. It's not inherently funny because it's just like, oh, it's an eye roll situation. Because mm-hmm. he literally says, Oh, not again, and you're like, Yeah, that's that's the setup for the gig. But uh, they don't even do like the diehard two, like calling it back so completely bit, you know? Like yeah. that's what I would have hoped for is like that's what Sandra Bullock is doing. It's just like, oh, not again. Like, oh, yeah. I can't believe another mad bomber and something like just really, really hanging your hat on it. Yes. But this is like, no, no, no we're going to pretend this is cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but OK. But neither, so of us, I'd say neither, neither of us are on his island with this. One. I'm actively sailing away. From, <laughs> from the island on this sure. One. And I, I know this is one he got a lot of cred for, but. I, I see how this happens. Like, I have movies where this has happened, but I do not share it with Well, movie. okay, so a good example for this is, like, I was looking through Nick, Nicholas Cage's Rotten Tomatoes. He has a 0% movie. There's not a single good review for Deadfall. Oh, okay. And for yeah. me, it's like, I'm... This is why I would make an, uh, reviews or rate movies in the affirmative if I enjoy them. Not mm-hmm. if they're good movies, but if I enjoy them, because... I have to give that movie an affirmative. I like that movie. I have fun watching that movie. Maybe not for the purposes of the the artist creating it, but that's not that's what art is. Art is subjective. It get it's gets gets delivered to me and then I experience it separate from the creators. Right. Like it's like if you want to see Nick Cage at his most wild card crazy, there you have to see Deadfall. <laughs> so, and if yeah. you are as big of a Nick Cage movie fan as we are, you're going to enjoy those first 30 minutes that he is just dancing around on screen. I even feel the second half works because you notice his absence and you also get Charlie Sheen's weird pool scene <laughs> yeah, where he's Charlie like trying Sheen's. to get to the same energy. Yeah, but not know? knowing quite how to do that. No. Uh, this, is, this is what I mean. So like, I feel like if I ever became a big reviewer, I would go back, review this movie, get it at 1%, be the one sole person because at the end of the day, like, I'm not like I don't think you can judge art uh, objectively. I mm-hmm. think you're judging it based upon your enjoyment. Period. Because it's given to you, and sometimes you can enjoy a movie and be like, I only ever, I never want to watch that movie again, but I loved it because it was beautiful. But sometimes yeah, you yeah. can be like, that movie was popcorn. I could eat. I could watch every year. I know the world hates it, but I, it's the right, right type of flavors for me, type of thing. That's yeah. All. Anyways, that's my <sighs> that's my soapbox for this movie. Okay. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you want to tweet us at OKVA Podcast is the name, or you can email Ryan at OKVA.ca or Nathan at OKVA.ca. Uh, next week is our ranking episode where we look, take a fond look back at our quest for Ebert's Island and share how we felt about all the films one last time. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. And you know what they say, only a felon would juice a watermelon. Okay.